Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. struggling with the day of the week for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's to travel. Yeah. Maybe the jet lag that I didn't really have. Yeah, maybe that, like, somehow or other screwed up the days of the week in my head. Yeah, I, other than that, I don't have an explanation for it. So good Thursday morning to you. The Mensa brothers are going to join me here in a few minutes. So looking forward to that. Finish the second version of the post-traumatic winning online seminar. New one's going to start in two weeks from this past Tuesday on the 29th. So if you know somebody, tell them to shoot me an email. That's how you join. And, um, you know, I had a, a revelation here in the past week. So, thought I would talk about it. Yeah, no kidding. Revelation. Now, what's interesting is I know a lot of people that that know an awful lot about the human body. I don't. But they know a lot about the human body and, they, um, and the physiology of trauma and 
how your brain gets rewired evidently and all the rest of the stuff. That's not my, that's not my thing. I don't normally go there. I'm pretty, I'm pretty disciplined about staying in my life. Right. And knowing when to say, yeah, I don't know. You should talk to a doctor about that. So anyway, uh, in the last week I've had, I don't know, maybe half a dozen discussions and they were all random. And this uh, idea of I took a breath kind of was involved in, in each one of those conversations. Now, in post-traumatic winning, I talk about taking a breath as an anger management tool that I've learned how to use. Right? I I can remember seeing Tom Seaver do it on the mound when he would pitch. Now, I'm I had a conversation with him him about it right and so what he was doing when he would go to the back of the mouth so anyway that's in the presentation but in the course of the last week I've had this 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 moment of clarity and it goes to um, in Iraq in 2004 when General Mattis was the commanding general, he had these phrases and um, that when you think about them, they were used to take a, um, a complex idea and reduce it to a short phrase. And, and Mar- Marines would memorize these things because they would hear them over and over again. Guardian angels, what is that? That's your own security. That's your own security 360 degrees. It's somebody who's got their weapon and their eyeballs looking, right, 360 degrees. Normally more than one person. Because the way the bad guys are going to kill you is that they're going to distract you and get everybody to look this way. And then they're going to drive something into you from another direction, and they're going to kill a whole bunch of you. So the the concept of guardian angels, you know, that when you're out, are constantly posted. Someone looks and says, hey, are guardian angels out? That's this whole idea, chunked, right? All of that chunked into this phrase, guardian angel, which is what advertising slogans do. So... In these conversations that I've had about behavior change, which is really hard, right? Um, the breath slowly but surely dawns on me is the key to it. Taking that breath, right? So if you want to change your behavior, learn how to take a breath. And I would tell you, in my case, before I even get my lungs filled with air from the breath, what I have to do tumbles into my brain. All those different things that I know I have to do will be inside. That's how quickly, in my opinion, this happens in your head. And so then it dawns on me, like, so the key to all of this is learning how to take a breath? And then applying the things that you know. And you know what the answer to that is? Yes. Yes. 
That's the key to it, is learning how to take that breath. And it's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely, positively amazing. Kid you not. And so as I've had different conversations with people, and so I was talking to Tim Lynch this morning earlier about that, and I said, you know, it's interesting that people that, you know, do physiology stuff, it's not like they made that um they made that link and said, Hey Mac, you know, you're the way you, you're using it in post traumatic winning is a way too limited in terms of its scope. It has a much broader application to behavior change. Yeah, I never had that conversation. So yeah, I mean to me, very interesting that the key to behavior change because once people understand what they should do they're apt to do it except when they're on the little hamster wheel of anxiety or anger and you don't stop it. The key to stopping that is taking a breath. And then if you extrapolate that into other circumstances where you have to make, you know, behavior changing decisions and they're conscious decisions and they're not easy. But here's my question. If you can take it, you mean to tell me, Mac, you mean if what you're saying is if you can take a breath, you can change your behavior. I would submit to you. Yes. I would submit to you. Yes. Pretty interesting. Don't you think? I do. As somebody who has a lot of discussions about behavior change and things like that, I think it's pretty interesting. So, uh, with that said, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Good morning to you. I guess appropriately, this would be dedicated to um, all the people that I've had these conversations with. And again, every one of them was a random conversation and about this idea of the breath. And because honestly, I mean, one of the things I do in post-traumatic winning is I translate stuff. I think I take some, you know, very lofty concepts and 
I make them not so lofty by explaining them in ways that most people would say, oh yeah, I could do that. And I think this concept of behavior change linked to a breath is one of those things like, okay, well, let me start doing it. And what's really interesting is is when you see people begin to do it, how excited they get. You know, normally this is a huge problem for me, and I did this, and I did it. And you see how excited they get. So this is um, this is dedicated to all those people who I've had those conversations with. Thank you for your uh, thank you for your enlightening wisdom. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Time to check the weather on our way to winning. Currently in Quantico, partly sunny 73, Camp Lejeune down the coast, sunny in 82, 29 Palms, sunny in 93, Camp Pendleton, Mostly sunny in 66. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark, raining in 71. Okinawa, Shima, dark, cloudy in 80. Darwin, dark, cloudy, 75. And in Norway, it's hot. Yeah, mostly sunny in 71. 
currently in the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California. It is partly cloudy, 65, on our way to 78 today. 74 tomorrow, 74 on Saturday, 75 on Sunday, and 71 on Monday. That is a look at your weather. And so let me fire up the Skype machine and bring in the uh, the wisdom of uh, my peers here. Yeah, that's what I'm doing here. The wisdom of my peers. That's right. If you don't like it, I'm not really sure what to tell you. We need to bring Mike Marletto back into this, as a matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it. I enjoyed... Uh, I enjoyed... Um, I enjoyed... Um, I enjoyed that conversation. So this is the Skype music, in case you don't know it. Joining me in Skype land is Timothy Lynch. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Mac. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing all right today. Doing all right today. Um, Will Cosentini, actually freshly shaven, got a new haircut. So uh, good to see things are... Not even close. Not even close. No, you're you're freshly shaven, right? Because it doesn't... You're Italian. It takes like, what, 15 minutes for you to have a five o'clock shadow. Jeff's laughing because he knows it's true, and you're lying, and now you've been caught. Uh, the last time I shaved was yesterday. No way! I don't. You must be shaving in your sleep then. Yeah. Eighty-four degrees here on the way to triple digits. God bless global yeah, warming. <laughs> you know, I was up in Montana. It was 105 up there, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not." It's a dry. It's <laughs> a dry 105. That was nice, and. Jeff Kenny is sitting in front of a photo collage that I haven't seen before. It looks like it has some kind of writing on it that comes from a foreign land. What would that be behind you, Jeffrey? It's it's this it's this insane group of pictures of people that I don't even we don't even know. Because Lori never got around to putting the pictures of people from our family in there or friends. So it's just a bunch of strangers. Oh, so it's yeah, one of those. <laughs> so it's yeah, one of those. It's it's yeah. one of those things that you buy at a frame store, and you're going to put pictures in, but you guys haven't put the pictures into it yet. Yet you have it on yeah. your wall. Yeah, it's stupid. I know. It's like a couple of rattan chairs and stuff that's on the walls. Everything else is we're moved into Vegas now. In the turning of your head, we notice your attempt to slit your throat this morning. Are you having emotional issues that you want to discuss? Because it's a pretty serious fucking cut on your on the side of your jaw there, bud. No shit. I cut myself shaving, I guess. Boys, would you was, say that's a... I was in a hurry. I finished PT in about six minutes ago. Oh. And I, um, and I went and um, <coughs> dragged a razor across my face, and I caught a snack. So... Actually, I was in a knife fight with the uh, homeless guy. <laughs> with, a go- with a gopher out here in Las Vegas. No, I'm not. So what's the weather going to be like in, La- in northern, uh, north of Las Vegas today? It's uh, probably going to be about 118. Very hot. But, but I'm here south of you. I'm in uh, 
pretty hot here too, as you know. <coughs> you know, and, uh, but uh, yeah, it's really brutal out there. But in air conditioning, swimming pool, it's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Who gives a shit? The um, I'm not in Montana anymore. I'm in Southern California, where it's going to be 78 yeah. today. So I don't really give a shit. Um, mm-hmm. Tim, how about McAllen, Texas? Always balmy oh, weather no, down just, there. We're, we're just going up to around 98 today. We're getting it off easy. But, but it's sunny. So but it, it's sunny and but, it's hot. But it's a wet 98. Right now, humidity is not too bad. It's only when your weather's coming out of Mexico or off the Gulf. Right now, it's coming out of the north. So it dries it out a little. It's, this isn't like Houston or Quantico or North Carolina at all. Praise oh. be to the Lord. <laughs> but you're wearing a tank top and that is that is functional by design yes when you live in that part of uh our country well, I, I just i just got back from the gym i'm like i'm like jeff but i don't have to go anywhere so i don't have to get out of my gym clothes got it <laughs> yeah got it all right let's uh so anything so jeff you want to bring us up to snuff on the move i mean is it all done? Where yeah, I mean, done. a lot of people are very, are tracking your move. Are very interested in your, as always, in your personal life. Uh, you want to give us an update? Yeah, it's it's done pretty much. Uh, it's uh, so we got to just change our pattern of life now. We, we got to get this place cleaned up and expected. That'll happen on be done by the twenty eighth, and then we'll be there. And I'll be living next door. Uh, I got a room with uh, the twins who live next door, so. Uh, you know, I'll be still working in uh, Camp Pendleton for a while. So, but uh, it kind of connects to what we're going to talk about a little bit about, um, you know, the budget for the Marine Corps and stuff that we're able to do. So, you know, in a tangential way, it, it, it draw, it's drawing, yeah. attacking on. So, so what percentage? The move is ninety-five. Com- other than the fucking yes. picture frame now, that's now it's bugging me. That's sitting up behind you. I mean, can somebody take like ten minutes and slam some some images in there and be done with it? Is that too much to ask? Well, they might have grown no. fond of those images, though. If it's they been there long be enough. Approved by Shiva must be obeyed. <laughs> She's not here, so she'll do it herself back there on the other end. Do you see yourself at any point throwing off this yoke of tyranny and like and 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 getting your, your relationship into some form of balance? I don't want to give you relationship issue any uh, <laughs> any advice because I'm currently not in one, but. Um, do you see yourself throwing, throwing off this yoke of tyranny that you live under and riding the ship and standing up on your hindquarters as, as, uh, Grant Newsham would say? Well, I engineered this whole thing. So oh, so you don't I, see yourself uh, standing up anytime soon. Yes, I do. But what I tell you, when I'm in Vegas and I've been there for like three weekends, um, it's so big relative to this place that, uh, there's like uh there's room for the apaches and the white man in that house so i don't know which i am probably the apaches that is but, de- uh, that is detente though that is not setting up for yourself so wait a minute you're in san Clemente? yeah so she left that picture okay she left that picture in san Clemente to gussy yeah, like if you look over here that's all the pictures from the jeff's glory room yeah that someday will be put up and then uh like there's other shit here. Maps of Afghanistan. Um, so the you know, so the I love me shit stayed in San Clemente. There's more I love me shit than I thought. <laughs> there's a shitload of it that was in storage, and now it's back there. And like I got a picture of the dogs staring at the Leftwich statue 
They're just sitting there looking at it like it's kind of weird. I'll show it to you later. But uh, it's kind of funny, actually. As they oh, as yeah. they marvel at the leftwich, as even a dog, even a stupid ass dog can marvel at the leftwich trophy, which is our yeah, which is our just leadership stare, trophy. Just sit there, sit there and stare at it. So, uh, which is more than any of my kids ever did. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so you know, I love those dogs. <laughs> so, but uh, I don't know if they know there's a connection between me and that. I'm sure they do. Dogs are like that. Did yeah. you? I saw a tribute to the guy who wrote it, wrote up the write up for it, which wasn't me, obviously. So, you know. There you go. There you go. The um. All right. Um. What should we talk about? We can talk about the Navy budget. Um. I haven't finished watching the whole hearing. I'm about a third of the way through it. Um. The acting secretary of the Navy, I think his name's Harkin, if I'm not mistaken. Um. He. The CNO and the Commandant were all on Capitol Hill to testify. Uh, the Honorable Thomas W. Harker is the Acting Secretary of the Navy. Um, and the Biden administration just nominated their guy. I can't remember his name. Um, um, and so I'm about a third of the way through. What I've seen is disturbing. Uh, to say the least, because it doesn't seem like we want to, we, we don't want to say in public that which everybody knows is true, which is there isn't enough in here. And let me use the fancy wording that they use in the hearing. Our pacing, our pacing threat is China. And uh, we would close, we would maintain our gaps in some areas, close gaps in other areas uh, with additional funding to stay abreast, close, or in some cases, stay ahead of our pacing threat. Like, what the fuck does this, what the, what does that mean? That means there's not enough money in this budget. Is that what that means? And then you have Gilday saying at some point, "Well, we've concluded that on our path to three hundred a three hundred ship navy, which is woefully inaccurate, in, in, inadequate. Um, we need real growth of between." Three and five percent. Now, real growth, for those of you who don't know this, and I'm sure most of these three do not, is an economic term that means, you know, inflation has already been accounted for. Okay, so, so in the land of economic analysis, there you go, you rubes now are just a little bit smarter. So, Gilday says that, and the this year's budget has an overall increase of 1.6 percent which I'm not even sure keeps up with the rate of inflation. So all of that. So um, I will open up the forum. I will have some sound bites from this hearing next week, and I will tee them up, and you guys can wax eloquent on those. But from what you've read, um, Jeffrey, the budget, the DOD, in the midst of this tsunami of money raining out of Washington, D.C., uh, we don't seem to be funding the nation's. Uh, I would say, in, in my opinion, the nation's number one priority, and that would be, in my opinion, uh, the space force. And oddly enough, because if you lose in space, don't worry about too much else. Um, I would say that, and also the United States Navy, specifically shipbuilding in the United States Navy, right, to confront your pacing threat. So. With that extremely eloquent uh, and wise preamble, 
your thoughts on the budget and uh, the Department of the Navy. Yeah, well, I think the, as far as the Marine Corps is concerned, they're they're uh, they're overextended. They don't have the money to, to fulfill their ambitions, you know, as set forth by the force design, and still keep up with requirements of the GFM. So, uh, what's GFM? The Global Force Management. Our normal our responsibilities to the national defense. You know, like the putting out MUSE and. Uh, Putting out special force magtas, other things, maintain a presence in the um, PACOM, and I think that uh, they've uh, they're overextended. I mean, I I don't know, but it just seems, based on you know what I'm observing here, that uh, I don't. I think what they should do is uh, make sure we can do what we're constrained to do first, and then uh, you know grand dreams for the future come second. And we've already kind of screwed that up a little by getting rid of resources we had that um, that usually come in handy in a conflict. So that's where I think, based on what I read on the uh, you know about the uh, the vocabulary and stuff during the uh, testimony, I think that's their way of saying, hey, we need more money, otherwise we can't do the stuff that uh, you know you approved us to do. Um, Will, do you want me to read uh, the first two paragraphs of this article that you said? The headline is, it's from military.com. The headline says, at the limits of what I can do, which is a quote from the commandant, Marine Corps commandant makes a pl- makes plea for funding. We'll go to that next. You know, you, you said what we've got to, what we've got to pay for is space and shipbuilding. And I would also say cyber. If you lose in cyber, you don't fight either and then i would you know, con- I, I would concur and i would ask for your unanimous consent that that be included in my remarks all right the pacing threat is what uh you know hardware we say it's china but rhetoric we say it's white nationalists and climate change and so every dollar spent to combat white nationalists and china and climate change is not going into hardware uh, against China, and the idea that the top line is going to go up one and a half percent, so inflation is what two, three, five, eight. Nobody really knows, but fuel is going up, food's going up, uh, and wait until you see the pay raise. As uh, once the inflation number comes out, you know the consumer price index goes to like two and a half or something like that then military pay raise is going to get a bump and your budget doesn't increase all that just eats out of your procurement and so one and a half percent no it's not enough on the procurement side inflation was projected in in 2020 at 1.25% you're hearing that word more and more um in 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 2021 and the projection for 2021 is 2.5%. And I, yeah. I believe, as an economist, as an amateur economist, it will be north of that. Yeah. And so if you're going up 1.5%, inflation's 25 you're already down a percent. Uh, and some of those things, you know, are non-discretionary. Pay uh, and benefit will eat the rest of your procurement budget. 
and so we're we're way upside down. Um, you know, the commandant, uh, in order to try and save your procurement budget, he attempted to cut people because people are really expensive. It's it's almost two thirds of the budget, but he didn't get that money put into a fund anywhere. You know, there's no lockbox for that money that he saved. And so he says he's at his limit and he wants an increase of something like 6.6%. Well, um, when when you give it away up front on a promise later, you know, who are the least uh, honorable people in the republic today? I would suggest it would be politicians. And so you make an honorable uh, agreement with the most dishonorable people out there, and then you're surprised when you go to beg uh, and they don't give you anything. Um, you know, th this movie is utterly predictable. We predicted it on this radio show. Anybody who knows anything has predicted this is a situation that we're going to be in. And so... Uh, we've changed the force design, but we're not going to fund the hardware that we need to go with the force design. Um, so now we're in a bad spot. And once you get upside down five or 6% in a year, how many years does it take to dig out of that? You know, and then add on top of it, things like $200 million for KC-130s that we crashed last year. $200 million to the federal government ain't a whole lot of money, but it's a shit ton of money in the Marine Corps procurement budget. And so we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And, uh, you know, a thoughtful man would take all the people that are at OLA uh, and find those guys in Congress that are willing to support us and do things and dig in and sort of an insurgency there. I don't know that we'll do that. Um, and then we'll just promote all those guys in OLA and they'll be our future and say, oh yeah, we got along with everyone, but our freaking budget got cut. Um, yeah, this is a bad spot we're in and it plays out over years. You know, the commandant just dug a hole for his successor and maybe his successor's successor by the grand bargain that he made. Tim, thoughts? Hey, man, batting cleanup here enables me to go right to the to uh, uh, the extreme scenario because we've covered this. Will and, and Jeff covered it pretty good. I, I want to note that in the three billion of unfunded priorities the commandant announced is money for thirty-five naval strike missiles and forty-eight tactical Tomahawk missiles. Got I hope that budget includes a hell of a lot more missiles than that. Thirty-five and forty-eight. That that uh, that is numbers which seems to be to be very inadequate but unfunded who knows how much of those we have but i would submit to you that uh, world war ii started because the japanese made a, a, uh, an estimate about america's capability to respond if they bloodied their nose and kicked our ass out of the pacific how badly did we want to fight to get it back and they made a bad uh, calculation of world war ii i wonder how at what point we're at the we reached the point where any kind of vigorous response to Chinese aggression is uh, is ignored. And I wonder when they start testing us by ultimately sinking a ship or two just to see what the hell we do. 
I, I, I do believe we're weak enough to invite that type of attention. And that's what I worry about more than yeah, anything You know, else. the thing is, though, our enemies have learned. They learned at Pearl Harbor and 9-11, don't wake up the bear. Right. And I, I sense that they're not going to wake us up. They're just going to grind us down. We're giving it away right now. We're giving it away. Why would they interrupt that? Because they're going to have to pay a price for COVID. They could be get their ass in a ringer here within the next year. And when they start getting cornered, they may start doing irrational things. And that's that's all I'm saying. What we, may, but what makes you think? I, I asked by, by our lack of seriousness. I asked Grant that question. Do you think ultimately the let's just say the G7 because those are, they would be the primary drivers of it, right? Will force China to to open up whatever to allow an independent investigation and grant's response was no i don't they will do what they have historically done which is they will bloviate and then they will default to their own national self-interest which is more jobs cheaper goods because of their economic relationship with china they will tend to that because that will usurping that might get them defeated in an election and it will go away so I don't. I mean, I, I think to Will's point, Tim, I don't think there there will be any fallout from the COVID thing because you know the West has yet to show that it has the internal fort the intestinal fortitude to confront China. And now they just at the G seven, they rattled the saber a little bit. They said China is a what did they, what was the what was the actual word they used in that statement. Do you remember? I don't. Yeah, it was an interesting choice of words. It wasn't threat. It was something other than that. Um, I muted Jeff because we, we're getting feedback from him. So, Jeff, if you have something to say, you'll have to unmute yourself. Well, but, again, what Grant says is, is there won't be any fallout. So, to Will's point, if you're sitting there and you're the Chinese and we're OPTing this, it's like, wait a minute. Stay away from the Americans. Don't confront them. Let them do their, them their freedom of navigation act stuff. I, this will I, come. I would, this will come, this. and this will go, and we will slowly but surely continue the progress we we've made throughout the globe by offering money and debt instruments, and then taking over ports and infrastructure around the world. We win, they lose. I, I think that's a, that is the most possible and reasonable scenario. I, I absolutely agree with you both. All I'm saying is we present an inviting target array because of our incompetence and our lack of focus. That's my only chief concern. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be very curious to see how the current administration would respond to losing a ship full of sailors. I'd be very curious. But again, I think so you're right, right? But Will's right. I, could, I, right. I, I have no I and, and and let me as evidence. Do you remember when USOs were being bombed in the eighties and maybe the, in the nineties? I do. I, there I was do. one. I know there was one in Germany yeah. and there was another one. I believe in Rota or Madrid. That's where we oh, bombed, I think it was Rota. We Libya because of the Hamburg uh, attack on a nightclub. Okay, I would submit to you though. Most Americans don't give a shit about that. So you could fuck with us all over the globe, 
But when you come to the Mall of America, when you fuck around in the United States and you do what Will says, which is awaken the fucking giant, then there's going to be bad shit. If you don't do that, if, if, if I was a Chinese, if we don't do that, we'll, uh, they will hand us. Wall Street will finance this shit. I mean, that's the beauty of this, this self-licking ice cream cone we've created. If we just don't confront the Americans, they'll finance our shit for us and we'll destroy them ultimately. Yeah, look at what's going on now. You know, Texas loses their power uh, in the wintertime due to uh, incredible weather. And I think uh, Texas this week has got warnings out because they don't have enough power to supply the grid. Southern California got warning yesterday, too. Yeah, and so and a rational person would look at that and say, okay, why don't we have enough power? Uh, could it be that we've dedicated too much to wind and not enough to fossil fuels? But that ain't going to stop us. The people, the consumers in Texas are going to be the ones that suffer. And what are the Chinese doing? They, they, they've increased their coal-fired power plants by a multiple of five in the last 20 years, and we've cut ours in half. Why would you change if you're the Chinese? Just let things keep on going. We yeah. are intent on destroying ourselves. That's so, true. Uh, well, I mean, we the, don't uh, need a push. The, I think the term the uh, G7 used was either competitor or challenge uh, in their language. But uh, the, I, I also agree that I oftentimes think that, you know, someday in order to quell problems in, within their own country, like Iran would launch an attack or, or even Russia would launch an attack against shipping and kill sailors. But then I always think like what Will said, why should they do that when they're getting everything they want just by bluster as they are now bluster. And then, you know, some other economic moves. So, uh, but I'll have to tell you, you know, the, it was a shocking surprise on December 7th and on nine 11 and so just because, you know, I can talk myself out of thinking it might happen doesn't mean it might not happen. They might not look at it the way we do. Well, that's true. Um, but again, I think that if you study history, the most China's most deadly course of action is to simply right the path of least resistance. Go through the gaps. Don't 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 confront the United States. Allow their carriers to do whatever the hell they want to do, because the rest of the world will deliver themselves to us, and we will and and Wall Street will finance it. And well, they usually don't do well in open conflict. I mean, they got beat by the North Vietnamese in 1979. They got beat by us in Korea, actually in 1950 to 53. They couldn't really get. They couldn't really be effective against the Japanese when they were a guerrilla guerrilla army. Most of that fighting's done by the nationalists and us. So they suck and they know it traditionally. And uh, so I think we shouldn't take comfort in that, you know. But we should be aware of the fact that for them, whenever they get out of the box and go force on force, they usually lose. The only thing they're effective about is murdering minorities within their own nation. They're real good at that. And uh, so you just remember that, but know that, yeah, they'll do the sneaky, you know, as we used to say in the uh, embassy in Germany, the schlicky Schleimer way of, uh, you know, going around the barn. But uh, again, I don't see them having the, uh, like, I don't think if they haven't tried to take Taiwan yet. I don't think they will. It has to, there really has to be a big degradation or some real weakness signals given off by our current administration to 
to make them think that they could succeed at that. I, I would submit to you that emerging powers that are governed by people who always do the most rational and reasonable things are a rare thing. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing that you have to. That's the only constant, consistent, in my opinion, in dealing with China is you don't. I we don't know. And if we had a CIA that knew, that was gone because all those guys were killed in 2014. So we don't know. The CIA's job is to spy on us, not on the Chinese. Apparently and, so. And, Interesting thing about Taiwan, too. Taiwan Semiconductor, uh, you know, is a chip foundry. And I saw numbers this week. I, I think they're producing on order of 60 or 70 percent of the computer chips in the world uh, nowadays. And so the Chinese need those computer chips as much as anyone. So the idea of a kinetic takedown of Taiwan uh, sets their own economy back pretty significantly. Um, so it's just hard for me to imagine that. And they have huge investment uh, in Taiwan uh, as well. And so just continue the anaconda approach and squeeze it down, squeeze it down, squeeze it down, um, and allow ourselves, uh, uh, you know, we're bleeding out right now. Um, we may not know, but it sure seems that way. We're bleeding out. And just let us bleed. Um no need to put in the coup de gras. Let us bleed out a miserable, horrible death and end up being second best or third best or fourth best. And as long as we don't have any white nationalists, we'll be fine. You know? Uh, no, that, I, that's I, my optimistic scenario. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember watching. Yeah, why, I remember while Putin gobbles up more territory protecting Russian speaking peoples. What's that sound like? Oh. That sounds like 1930s again, doesn't it? Well, it sounds like what same he just what he just did in the in the Crimea. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. The, uh, same thing. It's exactly what Hitler did in the Sudan land. I remember uh, um, a couple of years ago, General Neller testifying, um, and with who was the Secretary of the Navy two years ago? He wound up resigning. Uh, yeah. Gardner. Follows Mabus. I can't remember his name. Come on. Marine yeah, former. Come on. We should know this guy's name. Anyway, it'll come to me. But it was Gardner or something like that. But um, Gardner? No. 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 Paul Kennedy introduced us in the cafeteria of the Pentagon. Uh, Richard Holbrook? Burton. No, that wasn't. Unbelievable. That's a dead guy. And I call you guys the Mensa Brothers. Um, the uh, I think it starts with an S. I'll get it. Anyway, they were testifying in front of the House Ways and Means Committee as the budget kind of went through its final phases. And, you know, and the question got asked, what keeps you awake at night? And uh, Richard Spencer. There you go. Says China keeps me awake tonight, yeah. and and General Neller said, he said if you watch China, and this is Will's anaconda statement that triggered this for me, he said if you watch China, they want to win without ever ever firing a shot, and so to me, if they're smart and they avoid confrontation with the United States, at some point the United States says. Look, we can't even get 
anywhere close to 300 ships. They will, they will double our force in the Western Pacific in any conflict. They will fight us to a draw in space. They will outnumber us in the air in the region. The juice simply isn't worth the squeeze anymore. And we will cede to them the Western Pacific. And and he essentially made that case. He said they're they're interested in winning without ever firing a shot. And we would be com- the beauty of it if you're the Chinese is the Americans will be complicit in the whole thing because they will finance it. Look at the pushback on Wall Street from Trump administration or Trump Trump. I don't even know what the right term is. Trump term um, pushed to not allow pension funds to be invested in Chinese companies. I mean, huge pushback from Wall Street. Why? Yeah. Well, we can make big money over there, right? Well, wait. Do you know what you're? Do you know what you're funding? Who gives a shit? We're only responsible to our shareholders. Nobody else. We're, we're a capitalist organization. We don't have a conscience other than to our shareholders. Unless it's South Africa, and it's, in, in which case they can get behind that because it's not costing them anything. Right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that's the key. That's uh-huh. the key. Is as long as it's not costing you anything. I'm all about divesting of, of South African assets. But let me tell you, if, if it involved any ass pain, yeah, we ain't going there. There's going to be – my congressman's going to hear in a back-channel conversation that, yeah, you cannot support this because we cannot have this. We will not survive. So it's just interesting. And then you watch the budget, and it's almost like pulling teeth to get them to be blunt. Uh, the, one of the One of the clips I'm going to play for you is a – Congressman, I think his name's Rogers. He's a Republican, and and he says to Gilday, "Does this budget, does the proposal from this administration allow you to do the things that you know you you have to do?" And and it's almost like pulling teeth to get the chief of naval operations to say, "No, it does not." It's like this kabuki dance that we're doing. And again, you're just watching it going, hey, look, your job is to testify, to give your honest opinion. You don't work for the administration. You work for the American people. And so and I, it's very curious. I don't. Maybe it's not. Maybe politics trumps all. And this whole idea of high-functioning conformists at some point in their career standing up and being a contrarian by letting the truth rip in public is maybe a bridge too far. I don't know, but you know, I talk budget geek stuff as well. Uh, I don't know what we're paying on the debt. We're paying one and a half percent or something on the debt. And let's just say in three years that inflation goes to three percent. And I don't think that's outrageous to think that it would. Well, that doubles your debt service. And I think that payments on the debt, I haven't looked at those numbers in a long time, but they were. You know, on the order of uh, three, four, five hundred billion dollars, we'll double that to a trillion. Where does that money come from? That's debt service. That that's just light money on fire. You know, you get nothing for it. Uh, and you know, the budget of what was it, six trillion or something like that, is already beyond outrageous. We're two trillion and something upside down. You're going to add 20 more, 25% more, 30% more to that. 
just to go to 3%. Uh, and think if it goes to 5 or 6%. And interest rates at 5 or 6% are not abnormal. You know, in our adult life, you know, I borrowed money on a house in 1988 at 9.5%. Mm. <laughs> think Ouch. about paying that. That means you're paying $1.5, $2 trillion a year on the debt. Um, we're in significant trouble here, and there doesn't appear to be anyone up on the hill uh, that sees somehow you've got to rein in spending uh, and that inflation actually matters. Um, you know, and we're trusting the Fed right now to be able to thread the needle on this thing. And uh, again, not to get too geeky, but when the Fed decides that they're not going to be buying treasury debt and mortgage bonds anymore, then interest rates are going up. And uh, Interest rates have to go up. I mean, look at them relative to historical norms. Yeah, they have to. <laughs> it, money's free right now. Mm-hmm. Money's yeah. free right now. And, My nephew just got a car loan at 2.2%. It's not bad. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So, he call, he calls me and goes, hey, Uncle Michael, I went back to put some more money down, and I talked to the guy, and, you know, I wind up, uh, it turns out that I drink at the bar that his wife works at in San Juan Capistrano. And so he took my interest rate from 2.7. He goes, I think I could beat that. He goes, how about 2.2? And he said, I just said, okay. Signed the documents. I said, did you run out of that place? Nice going. And he started laughing. I said, car salesman, man. Look, and like I think I can get you a better deal, right? He And he goes, he says, let me go talk to my sales manager, right? He said, yeah. I said, so he goes in the bathroom and he takes a dump and he comes back and he gives you a different set of papers. He can do all of that. It's just how much he wants to clip you for that day, right? And... uh but again, that's free money. I mean, think about this. Do you remember um, President Ford whip inflation now? What was inflation? 20% approaching it? No, it wasn't there yet. It, it, inflation hit about, I want to say, 13, 14 in the Carter years, in the mid-late yeah. Carter years. Yeah. It was, uh, it was below 10% at that point. Um Gas lines and people eating horse meat. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and we're still. And getting lectured about to work. how bad we were. Every, every president come out with a sweater and tell us how much we sucked. But we were concerned with human rights around the globe. And that was a good thing. But, I mean, but remember that. I mean, Will just decided his first home mortgage at, at nine point whatever percent. Right. In 1988. 1988. That's our adult lifetimes. Our childhood lifetimes, yeah. I actually had money in a mar- money market fund in 1980 that got 21% one month, you know, annual. Right. But it was 21% money markets were paying. Right. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah, the wackiness. Right. It's not Weimar Germany, but it doesn't matter. You know, no, but your, po- your point is – when yeah, this thing swings to normal, seven, eight, nine percent in this country with our debt, it just destroys the federal budget. Uh, 
And then you've got a decision to make. You're either going to squeeze everything out of it or you're just going to print. And if you print, which is what we're doing now, then you end up like Weimar Germany. You know, there is no other path. So, again, the commandant has dug a bit of a hole for his successor, maybe his successor's successor. um, And trying to get out of that hole is tough. And I got to tell you, when the commandant of the Marine Corps gets up there and says, I'm at the limit of what I can do, I'm not sure that that's uh, that there's precedent for that. And I'm just trying to think about it. You know, the, the coming on the Marine Corps is always up there saying we can do what we have to do. You know, we just said we can't. We're at the limit. Maybe, you know, that's the last cry. But at some point, the next thing we're going to say is we can't do missions. That's well, and again, Will, I mean, you, you said a little bit ago, and you're right because we've talked about this. I mean, this was predicted by retired general officers. I know in conversations with me, if he trusts the Navy relative to this budgeting thing, if he thinks he's going to give that stuff up and then get it back, right, He's he doesn't understand. It was predicted by old, fat, bald, retired colonels. Right. It's predicted by anyone who did you know, one tour anywhere near the headquarters. Right. Right. All right. On a more, on a lighter note, what, uh, I want to talk about Jeffrey's picture in the background again. Um, <laughs> no, on second thought, I wouldn't put anything in that. It's it. You, and then I would just make up stories with that have to do. That's, Oh, Aunt, that's Aunt Gretchen. Let me tell you about Aunt Gretchen. She went from being a um, St. Benedictine nun to a dancer in Vegas in the space of like seven years. She's a fascinating woman, and she was a Rhodes Scholar. And just make up shit like that and, and just tell tall lies. I think, it's, I think it's a wonderful story, Jeff. And, and you could certainly do that sober, but with a couple cocktails in you, you could, you know. The thing is, Jeff's family stories are better than made up being Gretchen's. They are. In some ways, they're tragic, but yes, they are much more amusing. When you take all, when you take pity and human feeling away, you can laugh for hours. <laughs> so yeah, it's true. I mean, I was going to put pictures of my new favorite actor, Genghis McNamara, who uh, I, it's hard to find pictures of him, but he's like a stuntman that was on Game of Boners, exactly like Game of Thrones. <laughs> And um, so I can't figure out which one. I haven't narrowed it down. It's like a science project for me. I like, I mean, it does look a little odd that they're all black and white and that the the marquee picture in the center is is empty. Yeah. Yeah, I I was going to put all pictures like I could change them. I could have like all pictures of 1989 to 1991 Lima Company 3A. Here's what I would do. I would just take the stack of pictures. IOC pictures. No, I just uh, take the stack, and I would take how many different – I don't know how many different little things you got there, but I would just take whatever – if there's 20 little boxes in there, I would take the top – I would – oh, Tim says 18. I would take the top 18 pictures, and I would – without any hesitation, and i just use the top 18. Boom, you're done. And I, and then I would take – He's had pictures in there that includes all of us. I would take – I had like five or six pictures when I was 19. Wearing a white cover, white gloves, 
camouflage PT shorts, no shirt, and a uh, rifle expert and pistol sharpshooter badge tacked to my pecs on the on the left side. And I'm wearing my gun belt, and I'm kicking Mayman, who is just a terrorist, my buddy. He's got a he's got a TJ Swan bottle with a rag sticking out of it, a ski mask on, and like a knife, as if I'm defeating a terrorist in Tehran. And so these like are the people that say that MSG Battalion is critical to the Marine Corps. Exactly. It is. Exactly. And then once we sobered up, we went off and did our critical jobs. <laughs> Good morning, American Embassy, Marine Guard. May I help you? Ended the holiday. Shout to Zeben. Before Zerangan, I was a bilingual fucking uh, asset to America. Well, we got we all We all love that. And performing great feats of strength. Under <laughs> under substantial That's amounts true. of alcohol, so we we all know and appreciate that. Yeah. Having said that, Jeffrey, what are you reading this week? Well, um, I, I'm uh, I'm reading this book by uh, Marley, who's a uh, an executive for Breitbart about uh, breaking the news is the name of the title, and it's very disturbing. Um, it, it goes into a lot of stuff that. Uh, it's basically like this cabal, loose cabal between uh, um, the high tech industry. Now this is the third. Government. This is the third update you've given us on that book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going slow because yeah. Of this, you know, so give us some I'm, latest. In the, give us a morsel from the last week of reading that you read. That okay, Steve Jobs, the former former Steve Jobs, who's now dead, his wife, his widow. Um, she is the queen. She's like the most, she's like the fifth richest woman in the world worth about $50 billion. And, um, she is like the George Soros. She's do, actually doing more of this, uh, manipulation of, uh, district attorneys and local, uh, jurisdictions and so forth than, um, than Soros is in order to, uh, you know, basically in order to break down law and order, it seems in the United States. Also, um, she's, uh, you know, she she runs all these. Uh, she got all these like. Uh, she runs Atlantic Magazine, which is a failing magazine. And in this book, he talks about the fact that these people who are um, like Soros and her and uh, the Chinese and uh, you know the big uh, the big tech people in uh, Silicon Valley. To them, it doesn't matter if uh, a news organization that they're funding isn't making money. They don't care. They just want their word to get out there. You know, their ideology, and uh, and they're relentless. You know, so you'd think like, wow, you know, uh, CNN, their ratings go down and down. How can they go any lower? Well, they don't. The people who are funding them don't give a shit. They're not in the old days. They'd say, hey, you know, you got to sell newspapers or, hey, you got to get ratings. Otherwise, we'll go bankrupt. But they don't work. These people are so rich from these other, you know, um, entities that they don't give a shit. So that's why we can't, can't things don't change. You know, and even that, even Fox News, um, they're more worried about what the CEO of the companies are saying than they are about what people in the ratings are, uh, what the ratings are, how many people are watching. Right. That's the consequence that uh, that basically admitted it goes against, you know, it's a threat to free speech for sure. Got it. Lauren Powell Jobs is an yeah. American billionaire, heiress, businesswoman, executive and founder of Emerson Collective. An organization named after Wolf, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it's like the opposite of his philosophy. 
an organization and, and, and that... And owner of the Atlantic Monthly. Among other investing in philanthropic activities advocates for policies concerning education reform, social redistribution, and environmental conservation. She was estimated by Bloomberg's Billionaire Index to have $21.7 billion. So there you have it. There you have it. Um, Timothy, what are you reading? I found a good one. And uh, I went back to one of uh, the authors that we like, which is uh, S.C. Gwynn, who's written a, a great book on uh, on Stonewall Jackson, uh, another good Civil War book. We've, I think a few of us, we've read a few of his books. But this one was called The Perfect Pass, which describes the revolution that occurred in football as we were all living our lives and serving in the 80s and 90s that I knew nothing about. Quite frankly, I knew very little about it. And he describes how the the football hierarchy has always hated the forward pass and how despite earlier attempts at adopting it into an offense, but it, it describes a guy I'd never heard of before by the name of Hal Mummy and how his obsessive drive to come up with a unified theory of offensive passing football resulted in the game that we see today. I had it's 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 goddamn fascinating because I was a, a college football fan. I'm watching it as all this is playing out, but I I'm not that big of a fan. It, and I had no clue. It it but David Hyde called me last week and I said to David, I said, Hey man, have you ever heard of this book, The Perfect Pass? He hadn't. I start describing it, he goes, Oh, that's gotta be about how mummy. I said, Well how the hell do you know? Well he's teaching at this little college right down the road. Only like an obscure guy like David High would, would know about this cat. But it's the most interesting damn story I've read in a long time about a, obsessive compulsive dudes who get involved in football. I mean, Jesus, what a crap lifestyle for those poor bastards in college ball. Man, always gone, always on the road. Way too much time drinking in bars because that shit gets you in trouble. I know about that. That sounds like heaven to me. Ah, oh, dude, no, you get in trouble that way. Trust me, bro. Yeah. Not a, yeah, good not day. what you want to do on a regular basis. Good thing you moved to Las Vegas so you could avoid all of that. <laughs> yeah, so it's an excellent book. S.C. Gwynn, The Perfect Pass. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. William? Uh, I finished uh, Massey's book on Catherine the Great. Uh, very interesting read. You know, I knew a lot of the peripheral history about Europe. Uh, in the 18th century, but this is just sort of, you know, looking at it from the east looking west as opposed to the west looking east. So really, he gets, uh, he gets a little bit goofy a couple of times editorializing, but the rest of it's really good. And then uh, yesterday I read Freedom by Sebastian Younger. Um, yeah, I, it was on my list, and then when Tim said, get it you know i got it and i would say the disappointing thing is it's like 130 pages right yeah it's small but it is an interesting sort of book it reminds me of uh who, jeff who's the guy that wrote all the travel books about the middle east uh richard burton no 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 modern guy oh. uh fuck he um. wrote about the balkans and uh middle east yeah. But it's a, it's his travel book where he's traveling along, but then he's describing the history uh, as well. So uh, that book by Younger is uh, is actually quite. So that's what I read yesterday. I I would recommend it, but it was uh, I I think the Kindle price and the hardcover price were about the same at about fifteen bucks, and it's one hundred and thirty or forty pages. 
which is disappointing uh, at that point. So, um, but a good book. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know that you don't like listening to books on tape, but that's another one of these books that's good on tape because he reads it himself. I, I think it's because it, it is really short. You know, I was doing FaceTime with Lori and, uh, and over her shoulder, I saw the book that I haven't seen since 2016, 2017, um, 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 Nightingale Song. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I thought, someday I'll be able to read that book again. <laughs> Without having to pay again for it on my Kindle, you know? And I don't know which one of you guys I got it from, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, there it is in my in my bookcase. I think yeah, I think that came from my dad. You look at you look and you'll see when you get home. <laughs> the guy I was thinking about is uh, Robert Kaplan. Yes, Robert right, Kaplan. Yeah. So and who's this, the guy who did from Beirut to Jerusalem? Was that uh, Friedman? Friedman, Friedman. The guy who's on yeah. TV now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a jerk off. Yeah. yeah, but that's a this uh, Sebastian Younger. This book reminds me of how Kaplan writes. Yeah. I'm listening to The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And then somebody else recommended another book to me. Um, and because I have a bunch of credits, uh, this book is in entitled The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Act of Turning Trials into Triumph. So, uh, so that's what I'm listening to. Although... Um, I'm, uh, I've got the first draft of my book back and, uh, yeah, so I'm going through that. It's, and it's a really weird experience when you're working with a co-writer and they're writing essentially your, your idea. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's just weird in terms of <laughs> this is your baby through somebody else's, you know, pen. And, yeah. so, and so it's 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 interesting, and I, I also am, am am excited because she she said to me she said you know I socialized your idea about a book for children relative to trauma, and she said people are very very interested in it, and um, and I think that only when you have to deal with trauma and you have children do you understand the value. I think it uh, you would question it. Having to, you know, tell my sons that their cousins have been murdered, you know, by their father. You know, I mean, I wish I would have had something I could have referred referred to. Um, and I was talking to Tim about this idea of of uh, what's really interesting. And I would say now in thinking about it, both combat decision making, the decision class I taught, although I didn't understand it at the time, um, and also in post-traumatic winning – the, the most difficult part is actually changing your behavior, right? I mean, these things that, that dominate our lives, how do I change my behavior? And I, and what, I've, what, what it's come down to for me is if you can take a breath, right, and hold it for a second, it then those things that we chunk under no better friend, no worse enemy, right, in terms of, you know, restraint of, uh, of, of firepower, Right in a in a uh, in a um, in an insurgency environment, uh, the concept of guardian angels these these concepts that are pregnant with with a number of different thoughts, you know, get um, 
you can implement them if in a situation you just take a breath and say, and then before the breath's even fully in your lungs, you'll know, okay, guardian angels, da, 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 da. And I, I, I was talking last night and I said, you know, the Germans had this thing uh, about combat decision making and they called it the longer breath. And I don't, and I don't, um, and I don't know that I fully understood it. And I'm, I'm starting to understand it relative to behavior modification that it's as simple as that. If when you feel these things, if you will take a breath, and I heard a woman articulating it the other night, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was very cool. So it's interesting how intellectually these things are coming full circle to me. Connected, and then it's like when something happens, it's never as bad as it first seems if it's bad, and it's never as good as it first seems if it's good. Right. Just, right. And, you and, and, take that long breath, and you see. Right, and and which is. I think ironic and funny um, that um, that it might be something that simple that has such a seminal, you know, uh, impact on your life. One other thing before we leave is that I was up in Montana with guys from Second Battalion, Third Marines, who who were in the Kunar Province, um, and really interesting. Uh, to hear them, you know, to have discussions oh, with that's them. The, that's the lone survivor boys. Well, yeah, you know, they were, yeah. so they're pulling out Did pictures. Kelly Grissom? Was Kelly Grissom? No, there? Kelly Grissom was not up there, but he, uh, but these guys, you know, they, they're pulling out pictures on their phone of them with uh, that Lieutenant Murphy, with Latrell, with all those guys that were up on that ridgeline and, and got killed. And so very interesting conversations with them um, about, uh, about what it was, you know, how great a shape they were in and <laughs> humping those mountains, uh, in, in, uh, in Afghanistan. And then, uh, and they started laughing. They're like, Mac, you were down in flatland country. I said, yeah, man, we saw those mountains. We're like, yeah, fuck that. Like, like, <laughs> like, what is that about? Like, yeah. like humping the mountains yeah. up 29 palms on a daily basis. And they were laughing. They're like, we were like mountain goat strong. But it's really interesting to hear them talk about Operation Red Wings and then the follow-on operations to that, the head-scratching they did throughout all, throughout most of it, and the senselessness of a bunch of it. And yeah. uh, especially, you know, the, the operation that gets uh, those guys killed, some of the decisions got made uh, in all of that. And so uh, very interesting, great guys. <laughs> You know, that was, uh, they went over with McManus as their battalion commander. And I yeah. ran into him down in Jalalabad when I was trying to mooch uh, ammo and shit for, so we could train at the embassy. And he laughed at me when I asked him if he could spare any He's like, yeah, right. But he was telling me that he had uh, he had this thing lined up, but he had to use the SEALs as his recon, and he wasn't too happy about it. But he said, you know, at the time, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll do okay. But he didn't seem to think much of it. He said, it's just, we're just going over after some scumbags. So, and he said, I'm setting it up because Norm Coolen is coming in behind me. And I said, oh, I guess Norm and him switched out there in Jalalabad. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't become a thing till the, till the whole thing fucks up, right? And, yeah. and, they, and, and Norm they, inherited that plan from Andy. Well, yeah, and they, make, had, they make a guy who's, who's, who's really nothing, right? They make him into a celebrity because of how, how, how poorly the operation goes. And yeah. uh, and you look at it, and you know you hear the fallout of the discussions. Well, we should have shot those, you know, the 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 quote unquote goat herders or sheep herders, whatever the hell that, that walked into them. 
And you're like, you know what? You can't do that. No, it's like, hey, we're Americans. We're not Nazis, okay? Yeah, that's not even a possibility. But again, told those guys about what they needed in Comwise. Right, and 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 so right, and so what do you have to do? You have to admit that we've been compromised. You zip tie those guys. You could either either cut them loose when you lift out of there, or you could take them with you. And none of that stuff happens. And so it's just 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 talking murders. I gotta go fund my retirement. Yeah. Good, good luck, brother. Good luck. God, I'm jealous. Jealous as hell you get to do that. Good luck. The um but it was interesting talking to them from the perspective of Lance Corp or what they see, go down to be the QRF for all of that and never get called on. Yeah, we don't need you. It's it's gonna be a soft QRF. And then one of those then one of those forty sevens gets whacked. They spent an entire day airlifting Rangers out for heat stroke. And the, and the Rangers are like, look, dude, we can drive right up there and go up. We've done this before, but now they wanted to land far away and offset and, and hump it. And they they had huge problems with the heat. Well, it's, I mean, the it, first – I know, but Timmy, remember, the first 47 with the, Q, with the soft QRF gets, 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 gets blown up. Oh, no, up. no, those guys get right. whacked because they, they did exactly what they were told not to do. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's really when, – when you begin from an operational perspective to pull that thing apart – it's a bad, it's a bad story, and uh, and and again, those guys, and then they wind up going up and ultimately chasing those guys down, and and I think about three weeks later, four weeks later, they wind up killing most of them, and uh, so so not not a great story, but anyway, all right, so uh, Jeffrey, when are you going back up to Vegas, you go up there every weekend, or and then come back? No, tomorrow? I've only been three in the last two months, um, so I'll go back up. Um, I think what's the plan now? Um, I'm going to drive up there on the uh, the next Wednesday and with a U-Haul. The last U-Haul, I'll take this less of this trash and then um, a small U-Haul truck and then uh, bring it back by Friday. And then I'll be there for Fourth of July weekend all weekend. Is U-Haul paying you money to bring their truck back? I understand that's an issue with well, them. No, man. I got to pick <laughs> it up at, at Pendleton and then go to Vegas and bring it back. I mean, my – I said we should rent the vehicle in Vegas. It's cheaper, and you know. But I was over oh hell yeah, yeah. renting any place and going to California is real cheap right now. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this whole thing's been you know uh, necessary to do, but I'll never do it again. Not like this. That's what they all say. Yeah. Another like eighteen months, Jeff will say. Well, we're moving again. And uh, I will commit. They're moving again, but I, I'm committing seppuku tomorrow. You're all invited to watch right here in the pool. See you later, guys. All right, well, have a great day, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you, Mac. Yeah, see, see you, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you, Mac. They are the Mensa brothers here, and uh, always interesting. Always interesting. Um, Always interesting in that far-reaching conversation that we tend to have. Yeah, let me tell you, the the DOD budget is a problem. And, uh, you know, I'll read you. In fact, we never did get back to it, but I'll just read you um, the story by Patricia Kime, or it might be Kimmy, K-I-M-E. I'm not sure how she pronounces it. Um. Oh my God! Um. 
Um, the article goes like this. Arguing for full funding of the Marine Corps' fiscal 2022 budget request, Commandant David Berger said his service has shed all waste and needs support to focus on potential adversaries like China and Russia. Making his case before the House Armed Service Committee on Tuesday for the Marine Corps' 480, 40, I'm sorry, $47.86 billion budget request, Berger said he has reduced headquarters staffing by 15%, cut legacy systems and end strength, and has nothing left to draw from to fund programs and projects. Quote, we have wrung just about everything we can out of the Marine Corps internally, Berger said. We're at the limits of what I can do. The Marine Corps' budget request represents six, a 6.2 increase from fiscal 2021. Even as the service plans to reduce size of the active force by 2,700 to 178,500 Marines, the service ultimately wants to reach 174,000 by 2030, Roughly the size it was in fiscal 2020. So think about that. So reducing the force and the budget increasing, right? Divesting of legacy systems and the budget increases by 6.2%. Berger is using the money he has saved by reorganizing the Marine Corps and shedding capabilities such as tanks and artillery to invest in new technologies and platforms. Among the systems included in the fiscal 2022 budget is development of the ground-based anti-ship missile remotely operated ground unit expeditionary fires vehicle. That's a mouthful. The Marine Corps has requested funding for this program, but the budget was cut, and the Marine Corps also received no funding for long-range fires. Quote, it set us back in time, and for combatant commanders, this equals risk, Burgers told the hearing. So anyway, what I'll do is uh, I will uh, I will cut up some of this hearing so that you can hear questions and answers by the commandant, and we'll do that next we'll do that next week. But yeah, it's it's uh, interesting slash disturbing where the Department of the Navy, right, which includes the United States Navy and the Marine Corps, the Navy shipbuilding plan can't get there, right, and the Marine Corps is in a bad spot. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow the budget. So on that note, thanks for listening. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Have a great Thursday. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow talking other stuff, cooking and things like that. And uh, if I can help you help somebody else, let me know. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah, this idea of the breath, pretty interesting to me. If you could do that. You could change your life. So with that said, I'm out. Have a good Thursday. I'll see you on Friday.